This is the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Steve Vaughn, also on this edition. Today we're going to get into some history, largely because, well, I've studied history, and I'm a student of history, and I love history, and we have so much of a biblical perspective on history that we've incorporated into our Generations God-Centered curriculum, available, of course, at generations.org, but... uh, turns out that the last 24 hours of news is just the next segment of his story, (laughs) God's story, uh, what God is doing in history, and it's engaging and it's important. And I think we need to apply the Word of God to every work and to understand the world by way of a distinctively biblical worldview. And now, according to the Kiel Institute, the U.S. has transferred military, non-military aid of $54.43 billion to the Ukrainian government to prosecute the war against Russia. Okay, so that's part of what we're hearing in the news today. And there, by the way, is an additional $37 billion that has been appropriated or is being appropriated. And that would take some the number to some $91 billion. The European Union member countries have only done $30 billion. So America's, what, three times what all these other big nations have done for Ukraine. And the Jamestown Foundation estimates the Russia's most recent annual defense spending is about $78 billion, which is less than what we have contributed so far to the war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine. The Ukrainian military budget's been hovering around $6 billion. And they've already received, uh, what is it, what did I say, $91 billion in aid? So Something like that. Yeah. So whose war is this? If some 90% of the funding has come from the West, okay, so whose war is this? Well, I think it's. Uh, it seems to be our war that we are fighting by proxy through the use of Ukrainian soldiers because we're the ones who are funding it. We're just using Ukraine as our, uh, as our soldiers so that they'll die, not us. And it won't look like we're we're fighting Russia. I can't remember if we've ever funded a war without fighting it. Okay. Meaning, have we ever funded 90% of a war anywhere in the world? Now, Now, we got involved in the Iraqi conflict. We got involved in Afghanistan. We got involved in Vietnam. So, you know, yeah, we were out there. But now we're fighting the war by proxy. And we again, I'm not sure Congress has declared war on Russia thus far. Have, not that I've heard. I don't think so. Not that we've heard. Now, now, of course, George Washington warned us about this. He said, be careful about permanent alliances. Jefferson used the word entangling alliances. And the Proverbs, chapter 26, verse 13 says, whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. <laughs> Now, you take a dog, preferably a mad pit bull by its ears, what happens, Steve? Um, You're not going to be around for much longer, or you'll be ripped apart, or at least gravely injured, uh, if not killed. So there's a warning behind this. Proverbs 26, 13, again, whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. And I would advise against doing that. And you you, you take Russia. You know, as a mad pit bull, grab him by his ears. He will chew your face off. Okay, my friends, hopefully the lesson is going to be uh, impressed upon us. Here, here's what tends to work in the minds of politicians. Here, we'll fix mankind. All we need to do 
is get on one side, knock the living daylights out of the other side, and that will fix everything. <laughs> and you know what it is? It's like you take a side, right? Ukraine, Russia. Now, it turns out there are sinners on both sides. And there are theories, by the way. We have people who are, of course, you know, violently in support of one side or the other. Uh, but when it comes down to it, Transparency International, they have found that uh, the Corruption Perceptions Index just about identical between Ukraine and Russia. Uh-huh. Ukraine is a little more secular and a little more Europe, and they, they, they want the same-sex marriage. They are pushing towards abortion on demand, etc. Russia's maybe a little less so at this point. But friends, okay, whose side are you on here? And do you really want to pick a side, grab that pit bull, and let him chew your face off? Well, let's go into history and identify the reasons why wars begin. That, that I think, is something to study. And it has immediate application to us, where we are today. And we'll be back in just a moment with that. Stay with us. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son, can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we are back on Generations. Kevin Swanson with you, as well, Steve Vaughn. And Steve, I, I want to give something of a history lesson here because history does somewhat repeat itself. There are principles that seem to come back again and again. It ties into the nature of man. And I want to answer the question, what is it that starts world wars? Seeing as World War III is most definitely a possibility in the next 10 years. Now, again, I'm not a prophet, nor the son of one, but, man, the stresses are rising. What, What is it that starts world wars? Well, embargoes, arms shipments, preferring one nation over another, the sorts of things that we're seeing playing out right now. These are the sorts of things that inspire world wars. Sides begin to form, and animosities intensify. But, but so much of this is centered around economic issues, economic catastrophes and stresses, calling in debts and a refusal to pay debts. That's what started World War II, out of World War I. The fiscal depressions of the 1920s and early 1930s caused almost all European economies to collapse, meaning that Germany was unable to pay the extortionate reparation fees that had been set up by the treaty coming out of World War I. So that was a tough time. You, you, you got a depression, you got a worldwide depression that's hit Europe and America, something like the worldwide depression that we're facing right now in the 2020s. The advent of the Great Depression doomed 
the the early plan for payoff of the loans it was the young plan loans from us banks had helped prop up the german economy until 1928 when these loans dried up though germany's economy floundered in 1931 as the world sunk ever deeper into depression a one year moratorium on all debt and reparation payments was declared at the behest of president herbert hoover an effort to renew the moratorium the following year failed and then there was the lausanne conference in 1932 european nations agreed to cancel the reparation claims against germany but after the November 1932 election of Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, France and the United Kingdom resurrected the link between reparations and war debts, and the United States would not accept the proposal. So in December of 1932, the U.S. Congress rejected the Allied War Debt Reduction Plan, which technically meant that the war reparations and debt reverted to the debt reduction previously granted Germany by the 1929 Young Plan. Well, the Young Plan was opposed by parts of the political spectrum in Germany. So again, these are the roots of World War II, friends. Nationalist parties had been most outspoken in opposition to reparations and ceased in opposition to the Young Plan as an issue. A coalition formed in Germany of various nationalist groups under the leadership of Alfred Hugenberg, the head of the German National People's Party. One of the groups that joined that coalition was Adolf Hitler and the National Socialist German Workers' Party, and the rest, of course, is history. So, so that's what happened. You, you have economic stresses on Germany, they're unable to pay back their debts to the United States. FDR and Congress of the United States is putting pressure on Germany. And uh, the nationalists in Germany just basically come together and they say, well, we're going to be somebody. The lesson learned is the debtor is servant to the lender. There's no getting around that, friends. Debtor nations are loser nations in world politics. Now, you say, well, what are the biggest debtor nations in the world today <laughs> by dollar amounts? Yeah, um, um, U.S.? Um, <laughs> yeah, the United States, absolutely. Absolutely, the United States makes up, what, 4 or 5% of the world's population carrying anywhere between 25 and 35% of the world debt. And, of course, Japan. So the United States and Japan. And when these debts are called in during the Great Depression of the 2020s, the U.S. and Japan will not be able to pay, and America will go down as Germany went down in World War II. So that's the way it goes. The debtor is servant to the lender. And it turns out John Maynard Keynes was a demon from hell that set us up for what we're facing today economically. Here's another example, and I think this is key to understand how these wars begin. The Civil War starts somewhat with the U.S. House of Representatives passing the moral tariff in 1859-1860, and the Senate passed it on March 2nd, 1861. Two days before Lincoln's inauguration, President James Buchanan, a Pennsylvanian who owed much of his own political success to Pennsylvania protectionists who were trying to protect the northern industries, he signed on to the law, and the bill immediately raised the average tariff rate, mainly on the South, from about 15% to 37.5%, with a greatly expanded list of covered items. The tax burden would have been about triple. Soon afterwards, a second tariff increase would increase the average rate to 47%. Well, the idea, of course, was to protect northern businesses and strap the southern economy. Lincoln owed everything his nomination election to northern protectionists, especially the ones in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and he was expected to be the enforcer of the moral tariff. So in his first inaugural address, Lincoln promised a military invasion if the new tripled 
tariff rate was not con- collected. So I went online, found his first inaugural d- address, and sure enough, these are the words. They're fighting words. There's no getting around it, friends. These were fighting words on the part of Abraham Lincoln. Quote, the power confided to me will be used to hold, occupy, possess the property and places belonging to the government and to collect the duties and imposts, but beyond what may be necessary for these objects of collecting the tariffs down in South Carolina, there will be no invasion, no use of force against or among the peoples anywhere. So, you know, outside of the fact that I'm going to impose the collecting of tariffs on South Carolina, I'm not going to do the invasion. I'm not going to shoot anybody. But if it involves collecting those tariffs down in Fort Sumter, I will shoot people. So fighting words, you know, <laughs> I mean, come on. And then feel very good to, to, to <laughs> Southern folks. We'll only use military force to collect taxes in South Carolina for no other reason. Okay, fighting words. On April 6, 1861, Lincoln formally informed Governor Francis Pickens of South Carolina that he intended to resupply the troops at Fort Sumter, whose garrison was to be tasked with collecting the duties imposed by the tariff with provisions only and assured Governor Pickens that the resupply vessels would be unarmed. Governor Pickens ordered that the supplies not be allowed to land. And so, and the rest, of course, is history, the firing on. Fort Sumter, and that's the beginning of the Civil War. But again, you know, what is it? Now, folks, I'm just stating a fact here. Okay, people go to war over money. Kids fight for toys in the sandbox. I can prove that because I've got two-year-olds. I've got grandkids that I'm watching from time to time. And, you know, they fight over just about anything. <laughs> you know, they have the identical toy. Each of them having the identical toy, they want the other one. <laughs> So, friends, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between two-year-olds and 25-year-olds and 47-year-olds. I'm just stating the facts here. It's a maxim. There's no getting around it. People go to war over money. It's just the way it is. Man is covetous. Man is greedy. This is the thing that causes more conflicts in sandboxes and between nations than anything else. Now, some nations also will feel threatened by international pressure. Some nations will exhibit pride, national pride. I think that played in strongly for Japan and Germany. They had a strong degree of intense nationalism. Pride, national pride plays in strongly. And then here's another thing that does prepare the groundwork for world wars. And I don't want you to negate this. Immoral influences, demonic influences that bring about chaos, revolution, Unraveling human civilization, the demonic influence in the White House under President Pierce and then again under President Lincoln with the seances they brought into the White House, to me, is a significant issue that affected the United States and brought on the Civil War. Now, I I bring this out in American God's providence because what we do is we go through the sins of the South and the sins of the North, obviously kidnapping, enslaving people, putting them on plantations, a sin against God. So that's a sin. But now we've got other moral issues in the North. We've got seances. We have the rise of witchcraft. We, we have the rise of, of witches and wizards and the influence of Nathaniel Hawthorne and his ilk, bringing supernatural, spiritual seances into homes. And Hawthorne's daughter, demon-possessed, largely because they, they dragged his sister-in-law into the house who is influenced by demons as well. Just that whole demonic influence upon Nathaniel Hawthorne, upon Franklin Pierce, his friend, and upon successive generations through the 1820s, 1830s, 1840s, and 1850s 
Demonic influence in the White House, huge problem, huge problem. And as I was reading the history of Russia, I've taken up trying to brush up on the history of Russia. I'd like to include some of that in our biblical worldview-based curriculum. But it turns out the demonic influence among the Romanovs prior to World War I and during the Bolshevik Revolution was intense. I haven't read anything like what you get from the story of the Tsarina, the Queen, Alexandra, and the Rasputin disaster. The satanic possession of Rasputin, who's the closest confidant to the queen the Tsar. Rasputin communicated with the dead for the queen. She even convinced her husband, the Tsar, that Rasputin could call on irresistible psychic forces whenever he needed them. This is crazy stuff, Steve. (laughs) There's some spiritual demonic stuff that that are that's that's running through the Russian systems to prepare that nation for utter devastation. Do not diminish the the influence of of immorality and and spiritual forces upon nations friends this is the kind of thing that was happening in the 1800s and early 1900s censorship laws were repealed in 1905 transvestism was common homosexuality was taking off novels poems paintings celebrated sexual expression in all its forms people boasted for living uh, for the moment and satanism black masses were more out in the open Homosexuality, even among the priests. And what we find is that the unfettered demonic activity, sexual confusion, sexual anarchy led to more anarchy, more tyranny, and the world wars of the early 1900s. And and don't forget, Germany was following suit. Queen Alexandra's brother in Germany was homosexual. That's Victoria's grandson. Alexandra, the queen or the Tsarina of Russia, was Victoria's granddaughter. Her brother was a homosexual. Meantime, in 1896, a German anarchist named Adolf Brand published the world's first magazine dedicated to homosexuality and self-definition. In 1904, members of the German cabinet were caught participating in homosexual activities. And don't forget what's happening in America as well. Woodrow Wilson is appealing to the occult and speaking to the dead. That's what he's doing in the early 1910s, 1915, leading up to World War II and everything that followed Friends, these are the seedbeds for a worldwide explosion in anarchy, revolution, world wars, bringing about hundreds of millions of deaths in, in, in the early part of the 20th century. I'm talking about World War I, World War II, the Bolshevik Revolution, etc., coming out of the, the gross moral revolution, the sexual revolutions, and the demonic revolutions, the demonic work creating anarchy and tyranny to the ultimate degree and, and, and leading Russia into the devastation that came after that. Well, Steve, where are we today? I'd say we're about right where Russia and Germany <laughs> were in 1914. I I would totally agree. I mean, you you take a look. It, it, it's it's there if you look for it, but if you're trying to hide your eyes, if you got your head buried in the sand, but take a look at just the the sexual mutilation of our youth. We are sacrificing our kids to the God Molech and to Shemosh. It's the same God. It's the same, I mean, the same demon. We're sacrificing our kids and by the thousands in the United States in the name of convenience and, and wokeism and all of that. There's a huge culting of America right now. And a lot of that I believe is due to the weakness of the church. 
It's, it's, it's not just Russia and Germany now. My friends, right now, it's all of Europe, North America, South America, embraced moral anarchy, sexual anarchy, economic, moral, social stresses on the rise. Tensions are huge. Something's got to break. The wars of the nations will never cease without the Prince of Peace, without the regenerating influence of the Holy Spirit of God upon vast numbers, without revivals, without reformation, without a great awakening. I just don't see hope for America. As Christians, we need to be advocating. We need to be pressing the gospel claims. We, we need to be praying for revival in our local communities. These are some of the most desperate times in all of world history. Now, here's one more point. As Christians... Also, Steve, we need to pick our wars. Yeah. Even if the nations are grabbing on to these pit bulls and allowing the pit bull to chew their face off and introducing nuclear war or whatever they're doing, we need to be careful not to join the Blitzkrieg into Poland in 1938. Does that make sense? I mean, you're a German, okay? You're sitting in uh, evangelical Lutheran church of some sort in 1937. And you're considering, should I, should I just sign on with Adolf Hitler and join the Blitzkrieg into Poland, which will eventually lead to the Holocaust and all the other devastating things that happened to the entire world? Or maybe I just opt out this one. <laughs> yeah, I think opt out. I, I'd say defend your nation's borders if you'd like, but be intelligent, be moral, be biblical. Yeah, memorize Deuteronomy 20 and the principles of warfare that show up in Scripture. Let's be cautious with this, my friends. Time to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, in the era in which we live. And let me recommend to you, Epoch, the Rise and Fall of the West. You need to understand more of the history of Western civilization. You need to understand more of the history of America, America in God's providence. The good, the bad, the ugly, the mercies of God, the judgments of God, how these played off on one another throughout the last 300 years of American history. Get good history. Be sure you're a student of history. You understand what's happened before so that you can make proper decisions for what to do in the present and the near future. That's my recommendation to every Christian family in America and around the world today. Get our biblically worldview-based history available at generations.org. And I'd recommend Epoch, the Rise and Fall of the West. The course on Western civilization for 12th grade. I'd recommend American God's Providence, our course for 10th grade. I would recommend our uh, Taking the World for Jesus series for 9th grade. These are critical history courses where you will gain a basic biblical worldview foundation and a means by which to understand history as you look through the lenses of a biblical worldview. Again, this curriculum available at Generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Steve Vaughn inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 